oh, there are times <laughs> I, I pick myself in the head going, you dumb bunny, why didn't you see that? Oh, no, no. But I also recognize that, you know, it's learning, right? Like you don't put all your eggs in one basket. Obviously, there's diversification. And you think to yourself, look, sometimes I'm going to, I know I'm going to fail. I'm going to mm-hmm. put my money where I shouldn't have. And that's the way it works. And other times you go, whoa, that was pretty darn good. And it makes up for the difference. So as a VC in your first story. Hey, yo, what up, Sir Mindset's podcast? It's been a minute since we've, uh, connected with the audience and i just want to say thanks you guys for tuning into the show today um if you haven't already make sure that you hit that uh follow button whether you listen on spotify apple wherever it might be youtube uh it really does help us grow the podcast we're in a lot of conversations with ad sponsors so you know your support does you know support a small business for sure um and yeah we got one more cool thing to say a word from our uh our newest affiliate partner, um, Challenged App. You may have seen them on the pod. If you haven't, they were on Shark Tank too. And if you haven't seen that, check them out. But in short, in short, the Changed App helps you pay off your student loans. You may be thinking, "Oh gosh, I just spent another two hundred bucks, and fifty percent of it went to the interest payments." Gosh, what can I do about this? Enter the Changed app. You download the Changed app. You connect your debt, your student loan, your credit card, your mortgage, whatever it may be. And you connect your debit card. And when you do that, the card rounds up to the nearest uh, hundredth or nearest dollar. And that change um, gets saved into your Changed account. And once it's going to hit like a certain amount of money, like 50 bucks or 100 bucks, change will automatically send that money that came from your spare change into your um, student debt payment or your uh, credit card payment. And that way you're fighting back against the interest if that is your situation. I always recommend you pay off the credit card. But hey, we're not perfect. And yes, this world is expensive. Thank you, Joe Biden. Um, and yeah, so check that out. There's a link right here in the description for the change that you can download it. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. Uh, Friday Sort of Mindset Podcast. Today we've got Alan Kadish. He's a he's been a physician for a long time and he's a investor in general or in uh venture capital funds. And uh today we're just gonna talk about how he created investor match to uh solve the problem of investors finding the right people to invest in and all that stuff and he's joining us from uh corvallis oregon so alan just uh great to have you here man great thank you thank you look forward Uh, for sure um alan i guess like you know with you and you you've got such a long like timeline of uh life (laughs) i mean life and career i i guess it'd be helpful just to start with um uh yeah how, how did your career begin or you know like where did you grow up early days? So back being a New Jersey boy, I recognized that I loved making money. It was just one of those things that resonated with me. So from shoveling snow to mowing lawns, from delivering newspapers to seeds, you name it, I did it. And then it expanded into repairing cars. And then it expanded into building buildings. And then, and it just kept going. 
<laughs> so business has been one of those, I love being in business and it's almost irrelevant what type of business, as long as I have enough knowledge about it. And it's been an ongoing lifelong experience. And then yes, there was the interruption of time with medical school and it's been 41 years of being a physician. But during that whole time, I saw lots of needs and made inventions, both in medical aspects and others. Um, and I've had a number of companies, so serial entrepreneur with a couple of exits. We did well. And it's been an interesting ride. It's been a very interesting ride. The newest piece to the puzzle is called InvestorMatch.ai. It became really apparent to me over all these years, how many people are unhappy with the funding process, being a founder, and also the funders going, you know, my inbox is full of garbage. And I get all this trash. And in the end, I land up wasting a lot of my time and effort and don't have anything to show for it. And needless to say, nobody's happy under those circumstances. And I said, you know, this doesn't make any sense. There's got to be some software that fixes this ridiculous mismatch. We are at the point in now today, 2024, where it's very clear you can do some amazing things computationally and it's not that difficult. So let's get real. Why isn't that being done? Well, it is. So a group of us got together, all of us having both entrepreneurial experience and having investment experience and said, what would it take to truly make a platform that makes sense, that only introduces you if there's a high level of granularity of everyone being exactly aligned as close as possible so that nobody needs and asks the same dumb questions that everybody <laughs> gets as a founder, the same set of questions from every one of them, but rather it's already answered. They know who you are. And the first conversation is fruitful, not, well, let's just get to know who you are and ask dumb questions. So how do we do it? We literally put together, it's a three-legged stool. So there's funders, founders, and vendors. Because one of the things that happened during our uh, customer discovery was that, not surprisingly, most founders and some funders are still looking for solutions within their own business. Maybe it's HR. Maybe it's something to do with bookkeeping or what have you. So we wanted to find really good vendors who could help both parties in addition to how do we match these folks? So many hundreds, yes, seriously, many hundreds of questions later, why? Because it's a business that could be in ideation mode or they could be IPO ready. This is a global platform. And in terms of the funding, it's from pre-seed all the way straight through to a series D. The monies, come from both private sources, public sources, and commercial sources. So this is, a, this is a one shop. You get all of what's available in Toto. Mm. It's not isolated. So it's really, really, really broad. So you can imagine going through those questionnaires for both the funders, the founders, and the vendors, one needs to really get clarity. Now, another big piece that makes us very different, it is so worthless for me to ask somebody, well, what industry are you in? And they say something as an example, FinTech. What do you mean? Are you a service, a hardware? 
Are you uh, some oh, other type? That is true. We yeah. should, it doesn't tell you anything. It's useless. We don't want to go down that road because the whole key here is alignment. And if you're not aligned at a high level, then you, should, again, wasted everyone's time. So we ask deep questions for the taxonomy of what do you do? Right, right. So the rest of the story. As you onboard, the nice part is, as a founder, and let me emphasize this right from the start, it's free for founders. And I seriously mean that. There is no equity. There's no, I'm going to come and ask you for a credit card. <laughs> we don't ask you for a dime. That is not where it's at. Our belief, our core team has all been there and done this, is why are we asking people for money when literally they're out searching for the few dimes that they need to make their business happen? The funders pay a subscription fee or they can use this as a white label solution. We'll go into that a little later, but yeah. Yeah. What white label that's, is that kind of like, um, I guess when they have a SPV or depending like if they're no, already, no, 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 a white label, they can use our platform and it looks like them and they get all the data. So they can literally, here's a good example. Did you know that last year, Y Combinator got, do you know how many applications? Record, I don't know the number, but records, right? 44,000. Now, Ooh, yeah. ask a crazy question. If you break that up into five days a week and you go for the 52 weeks, that's 120 applications per day. How can you even remotely, I don't care how many people you put on the task, you can't be effective. Now, can you be effective if you use our platform? Oh, gosh, yes. You tell us what you want as a funder. Are you focused on their revenue? Are you focused on their go-to-market strategy? Are you What are you looking for? And we literally hand you the right people at the right place at the right time. That's the essence of how that works. White label means that you use our platform and it looks like you because you're effectively being able to make the appearance your own project. Oh, right, right, right. Path. It's like customizable That's for right. the users or their um and their fund we are in talks with five universities right now they're using them for their mba program because anyone who's looking for funding you're going to go through what's called due diligence people are going to ask you the salient questions that need to be answered before they write you a check this is a wonderful way to learn everything's explained on the platform so nobody has to pull their hair out going what's a moat or What's my SOC 2 compliance? Oh, I'll gotcha. over it, it, mark and you can yeah. learn. Yeah. What, um, did you make this on your own or like, did you have like. No, we have a team. Um, this was, it was the concept of myself and a couple of other folks that came together and said, why is there so much noise and unhappiness in this industry? That's crazy. Oh yeah. I get what you're saying. Um, I guess for you, like, you you've been investing for like what two multiple decades years now. It's just there you a go. long time. Um what how did you get into that? Did you just well people initially yeah. came to me because I had some money from oh <laughs> what I did and said, Can we have a loan? It started with loans. Oh wow. And then it progressed to, oh, wait a second, this isn't the most effective way. Um I don't have the resources or the bandwidth to vet these folks. How am I gonna accomplish this effectively? So it just morphed to angel investing, angel investing with a group, and then to the VC level where it was, I want to be an LP and participatory. Yeah, I, I got to ask you about that. Which one, I guess they do have their 
pros and cons each one right but like for you did, did you say did you see that um yeah did you see like more um benefits from one source of the other just for you or no it really depends on what you're looking for so if you're looking for crazy returns um if you're a high net worth individual there are all sorts of leveraged uh investment opportunities and other opportunities that most people will never see it just works that way yeah true the angel environment so keep in mind that you have to be an accredited investor let's use some terminology here to be investing in whether it's an angel group or it's a vc unless of course they're doing something like crowdfunding you, i mean you don't have to you can be anyone and you could go and crowdfund as an example so there are opportunities for everyone but within the angel slash venture capital slash family office environments those are accredited individuals and within those groups, there are different levels. Right. And so which opportunity is best really depends on your circumstance, um, your risk tolerance, your distribution of funding, um, your level of participation or lack thereof. You may want to be a limited partner and be totally passive. You basically hand a check over and the work's done for you. You have lots of opportunities. And no two angel groups are the same. They're all different. No two VCs are the same. They're all different. And one of the things that's important is to understand what are you looking for? And what gives you the trust factor that you're willing to hand money to someone? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Alan, I think like there's so much uh, information that people wish they knew, but they can't only, they can only find that. I mean, it's a very, I mean, like even, you know, using investor match, right? There's various different um what do you call that uh criteria or i guess like styles that people resonate with and want to select i think like with you when you got started in becoming an lp uh, of a fund which uh sanctuary limited partner did you um like how did you go about doing that because i think uh that's that's something I, i'd be curious to learn right like is it just you returns focused i know thesis well, is there's a big plenty one, of funds just, out there vcs yeah. are there's there's no lack of <laughs> so let's let's get clear that's that's not the hard part um the hard part is diving into their well first you want to start with three things what's their minimum can you afford to do that so it could be as low as five thousand dollars it could be as high as uh, half a million dollars um everyone's different mm -hmm. so that may be one of the first criteria can you a afford to make an investment within that fund Second question that I think is probably even more important is their thesis. Are you investing in an impact fund that, as an example, wants to approach energy generation or wants to do some cleanup of the ocean or what have you? Could be anything. Could be addressing whatever is on your plate. Right. Each of the good funds, from my perspective, focuses on a couple of areas, potentially, and it could be just one or up to probably about three. If they're focusing on more than three, they're probably a really large distributed fund because you want subject matter experts who can really evaluate a firm. And needless to say, that takes time, energy, and resources. So larger funds may be a little more distributed. Smaller funds generally focus on a specific area. Mm -hmm. And with their uh, subject matter experts, they can literally say, you know, this makes sense. Does this look like something we should put our monies into?
mm -hmm. and move forward. So you've got how much, the thesis, and then you have who's running it. Yeah. Well, that makes a big difference. Are they first timers? That could be okay. Right. If they are within that industry and they've been working and understand VC basis and have structured themselves appropriately, and most have, it's pretty straightforward. There are schools that teach you how to be a VC. There's quite a few of them now. Um, and they've been in the market. They understand finances. Those are the people who may be able to succeed very effectively. Now, some of them are coming from academia. So they've seen some tech transfer and they're very familiar with it. I'm thinking of a group that I really enjoy. There's two folks who have uh, specifically targeted synthetic biology. Both of them have a PhD in that area. Uh, both of them have 10 years experience working in VC uh, arenas. And they selectively look at what's in synthetic biology mm. projects. Totally meets their need. The two of them are really very, very adept. And they're subject matter experts. So that might be one example. On the other example, you could co-invest um, with something like Y Combinator or 500 or one of the large scale groups. Mm -hmm. And look, they have a track record, admittedly. And they also have other resources that are really broad. Because one of the things you want to think about, what is the VC bringing to the table? Okay, so let's back up a step. I don't care whether it's angel group, it's a VC of any sort from A to Z. What do they bring to the table for you as a founder? This is really important. So as an example, unlike most of the other platforms out there, um, InvestorMatch.ai asks you as a founder, what are you looking for? Do you need an uh, someone who's um, an EIR, a mentor? Maybe you're looking for space. Maybe you're looking for educational background. Maybe you're looking for introductions. All of that's critical to your success. So oh, we, right. match, we match the two sides. It's not a one-sided gig. These guys have money. You need to talk to them. Absolutely not. This is about not only being in the same industry, but also providing you with the potential to be able to get where you need to go, not only in your business, but also monetarily so that, in fact, the investment really does pay dividends to everyone. Oh, yeah, so, that's that's good to know. I mean, it's a really important piece that gets lost in the conversation. Um, you'll hear the term smart money is common. Um, uh -huh. It's people who are going to provide you not only with some monies, but also the leverage that you need as a company to move yourself forward. And again, every company has a different need. So when you look at a VC firm, what are they providing to the founders? Big, big differences, way big differences. Some are very passive. They're just a monetary pass through. Others, they're very participatory. Right. And they really do want to make a difference and they're going to treat you well. It all depends. So that's a whole nother consideration. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think one thing to that I want to hear from you is like, how have you seen the uh, industry change, right? Like, have you seen the, has the industry changed or has it in your experience just, you know, radically, been, uh... radically. So right. changes are on literally three, three areas completely differently. You've got founders. And if you look at the numbers of founders that are creating new businesses daily, it is amazing the trajectory is increasing radically and that's internationally 
So opportunities now available because of both technologies changing, as well as the fact that the world is changing in general. Mm-hmm. People are much more motivated to take some chances and start a business. At least mm-hmm. it appears that way numerically. So that's one of the changes. Second change is there is a shift in funding. If you think about monies, there is so much money. It's literally this year, it will be approximately a trillion dollars of available monies in this entrepreneurial environment. That's a huge number. That's not, I mean, that's monstrous. Right. And <laughs> It's not, and it's growing. It's growing because there is a change in where wealth is manifest and many other parameters are changing radically from that point. And then you think about how many more people are sitting with this money saying, I need to do something with my money. How do I make a return that's really much more than sitting in a bank or a CD or some less, less than adequate and lackluster investment? Well, This is one one opportunity that's there. So there's a lot more folks in that position that are making that happen. So you've got technological change. You've got a change in attitude for business um, entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And you have a change in funding potentials because it's really, truly expanding. Um, Last year alone, there were 247 new VC firms that I'm aware of. Um, I'm sure there were more than that, but that's the ones I'm aware of. That's just last year in a crappy year that everybody was going, there's no money, there's no money. Well, that's not true. That's right. not true. Just because right, right. there's a bad year doesn't mean there's no money. It means that people may have had a little bit tighter purse strings, but that is absolutely not there's no money. There's plenty of dry powder. And the other problem that people are facing in the high net worth individual groups, what do you do with your money? Where do you put it? Maybe real estate isn't (laughs) such a great idea. I mean, yes, there's always that classic. There's only so much land out there. But, you know, maybe you wanted to or you were invested in a lot of commercial real estate. And look what happened over a two-year period of time. Right. So people's mindset has also changed. And they're looking for better opportunities. And I think the other piece that adds to this, think about the really, really, really cool technology that we all use, such as today, we're sitting on a Zoom link. Um, come on, 10 years ago, no one would have done this. And then you have <laughs> a pandemic and all of a sudden, I can't live without this. I, I can't live without sure. that platform. Sure. I need it. And it becomes acceptable, consistent and persistent. And it just blows up and keeps getting better. These types of things are happening at such a fast pace Obviously, the explosion with generative AI and other subsets, it's only going to increase. And I'm suspecting we're just about six months away from the next generation where you're going to see what we know now today is going to look like the old, uh, you know, big honking <laughs> used to have that had the batteries attached to them. It's going to feel the same way because technology is truly moving that quickly. Alan, I got to ask you, like, what what's kept you engaged or involved with the, I guess, the private funding side of your career? I mean, you know, typically, I think a lot of Americans see wealth as a means to an end. I mean, you know, once you have enough money and you're wealthy, you kind of call it quits and you retire, or you venture into. I think you're doing it, gener- Dan. I'm going to suggest a generational reality here. Let, let, let's uh-huh. go in the weeds. Let's, let's <laughs> be philosophical. Um. 
I could be wrong. I mean, it's opinion. No, 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 no. You, you, get, you could be very right. I think, <laughs> and it all depends on who you talk with. For me, I love learning. Uh -huh. uh, if you want to engage me, teach me something. Um, one of the nice parts with being a physician it is a constant deluge of new information. And I don't mean just drug information. It's just even physiology is changing. Why? Because we have technology that can now detect areas within our body that we never had the, even the slightest idea were present. We're doing small molecule modulation. We're doing all sorts of new biologics. We're doing genetic programming. Wow. All sorts of insanely cool things are happening. Then we go to computer science. Think about this. 20 years ago, and you're obviously age bracketing wise, you're one of the digital kids. <laughs> well, I I up, we, didn't have, we didn't all walk around with a you know an iPhone sitting that's, in our pocket. That, that wasn't <laughs> an availability. It didn't exist. Now you wouldn't even think twice about it. It doesn't literally matter whether you're a high net worth individual or literally on the street with you know just a flip phone. Right, right, right. You know, they're no big deal. Go to Goodwill. Come on. It's really straightforward. So I think from your question, it depends on who you are. Mm. I'm going to take my physician hat and put that on for a minute. People who retire, they hit their whatever number and they mm -hmm. retire. They die early. There's mm. good statistics on this. If you're not the type of person who keeps that, hey, I'm engaged. There are things I want to do, places I want to be, people I want to see. Right. Um, you die. It works that way, which is I know it sounds crazy and you think, oh, no, they're just sitting out there and <laughs> they know what to do with and they sit and play, you know, bingo or something fishing, <laughs> fishing or on the golf course or something. Um, that's a great way to die. Um, different generations have a different perspective is what I'm seeing. And you're right. For many who are making ridiculous amounts of money, I mean, three digits in a million. What do you do with that money? Uh, to yeah. me, the same amounts. I mean, you couldn't spend it in your lifetime. It's not po well. I guess it's possible, but realistically, not logical, right? Or, uh, no. Whatever it may be, but uh -huh. yes. Um, <laughs> but you'll see, depending on who they are, most people are going for the next best. You know, I got here. What can I do that may make an impact? Mm. What can I do that's going to be fun, because I have a philosophy that if you're in a job that isn't fun and you're dragging your butt. And you're not having a smile at the end of the day. Yeah. You're in the wrong place. You need to change gears. You really do. And I know that's hard for a lot of folks. I'm not suggesting it's easy, but I am going to suggest you're not on the planet that long. If you're just screwing around doing it just because you have to, you're in the wrong place. You, you might want to reevaluate that because you're, I call it the smiles per mile index. If your smiles per mile is pretty darn low, Oh, shoot. <laughs> your health is probably not going to be very good. You're probably not going to be a happy camper to yourself or others. Why not change that parameter? Yeah. Find something yeah, yeah. that resonates. Um, I, I mean, Alan, I, I think it's a personal question for you, but um, growing up, do you think like you had any influences that I wouldn't just say like push you to become a doctor, but also like, you know, you said earlier that you were an entrepreneur from an early age, from mowing lawns to, uh, just anything you could do for money. Um, was there like something that kind of uh, pulled you towards, did you like read a book? Cause I think with me, like I kind of got into this by, by reading books and having friends. Did you have like, you know, that 
environment with you or you know just very curious about again this is going back a long way but <laughs> make a long story short um i watched how my cousins we grew up uh, middle class low middle class um my toys were my dad was a mechanical and electrical engineer he bought uh, gearboxes back and i got to play with gearboxes and a lot of uh cardboard boxes with crayons and stuff like that it was very creative i thought mm -hmm. that was amazingly useful um, but I also watched our cousins who had done well, were physicians. Um, and you can see the lifestyle differential. Really? You know, sure. much, it was pretty obvious. It wasn't hard to figure out, wait a second, what's the difference between where these folks are versus those folks? Right. And, you know, some of what they did was very cool. Some of what they did was not so cool. Eh, so it was impactful from that perspective. And also, look, money is freedom. Let, let's get clear. If you have enough money, then you're not worried about tomorrow's, oh, no, now what? Yeah. And I think that's an important piece for people to find. And it doesn't have to be a lot of money. It just has to be enough to make you feel comfortable. So this is not about you have to be a billionaire, not even close. <laughs> uh, you know, that's irrelevant. I, I think that's just nonsense. You can't even count your money. Then guess what? You probably have more than you need. Um, my philosophy, I'm sure uh, Bill and some others would probably disagree with that, but hey, we're all on different pages. With that said, you just got to find what's comfortable for you. Mm -hmm. Is there a lifestyle that works for you, that makes you a happy camper, and leaves you at the end of the day feeling satisfied and wanting to get up the next morning and hit it again? Because hey, this yeah. is way too much fun, and why wouldn't I want to do this? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's so interesting. You know, I think. Uh to meet somebody like you, I don't think I know, I wouldn't say I don't know too many people who have like that energy that you have, but I think, you know, when it comes to, you know, getting to know an LP, like that's, that's something, or I mean, somebody who's invested for a strong period of time, like, uh, that's not a common conversation. And <laughs> at least, in, um, I, I wouldn't say that's a converse, common conversation as I think it would be, but although it could be more common, but, um, do you think that, uh, the world is, um, I guess at least like when it comes to personal finances, do you think it's in a good place or like, what do you think about that? Just macroeconomic. Well, the world's in turmoil. I mean, come on, you've got multiple right. things going on at this point. You've got crazy nonsense with the environment that's going haywire and not getting better. Um, you know, this is a crazy time for me as a physician who sees a lot of ASD autism uh, patients and uh -huh. has now for 40 plus years the numbers speak for themselves it's down to one in 36 kids will have some sort of neurodevelopmental issue and that's do you know the reasoning behind that is that yes, genetic environmental you'll in fact environmental. You, so yeah that's a good part of it it's not exclusive to that it has to do with what's called epigenetics mm -hmm. which is how you express your genes relative to the inputs and it's multi-generational so as mm -hmm. an example if your parents were doing dumb stuff smoking, drinking excessively, um, maybe they were grossly overweight, and then you add the genetic piece to the puzzle, and then you add more environmental pieces, they got exposed to, could be anything from heavy metals to volatile organic compounds, et cetera. Right. You just made a mess of the poor <laughs> you, and guess what? Garbage in, garbage out, it just works that way, and you're gonna get poor results.
So actually, it's funny we should go off in this tangent. I didn't expect that for a business conversation. I know, yeah. You'll see there's a new book coming out. Myself and another physician have written on fertility. It's called The Couple's Guide to Fertility. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, there is so much good data on things you really should do to prepare for a birth. Mm -hmm. It's, it's mind-boggling. And most people are not doing it. And no, I don't know other than a few of my colleagues who are OBs are even saying a word about it. It's crazy. You might have heard today on um, uh, public broadcasting, there's a whole set of uh, discussion on how the cancer rates have increased radically in younger people. Really? And of course, it's not surprising. I mean, to me, uh, when you talk about crazy things like how much uh, pesticides are used locally, what's, oh, your, wow. what's in your water, what's in your air, what are you sleeping on? And on goes this fairly oh, yeah. substantial input uh-huh yeah i mean yeah that's that's a, that's that's very interesting stuff i think one thing i did i interviewed the guy who made a, this device right here it's called aware it tells you like maybe uh -huh. you've heard of it you've heard of it um, uh-huh funny you i have you have something similar i've got <laughs> let's see i've got two of them sitting here for air quality evaluation yeah i i um i interviewed the guy who made it ron Rowe. he uh told me a really cool story about how his daughter had eczema or asthma it might have been both but that's caused a lot of by uh, environmental factors such as air and yep. skin conditions too. But um, I think when you come to that, I think that's something I was interested in too, like cancer as a, or just, I mean, illnesses, like what, what causes cancer you would say like in young, what's, what's been the culprit for that you would think if you had to point to something? Well, I still think it's environmental is the majority. I mean, think about what most Americans eat. Okay. Like it's the crap. standard, it's like crap. the fast food. You know, it's, here's the stupid question. If you put water in your gas tank, why would you expect the darn thing to work? If it's yeah. gas, of course. Um, it just doesn't work that way. You have to have quality, <laughs> clean gas to make it work. Well, as Americans, most of us eat crap. I mean, I'm not in that. And there's another reason for making enough money to be self-sufficient and appropriate. Eating organic doesn't make a difference. Heck yes. If you want to see a good uh, piece that's on uh, Netflix currently. Oh, right. Um, the group that is doing the uh, the, twi the twins, right? Excuse me. The, the 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 ones where they do stuff with twins. Yes, the twin study. So um, I'm actually a moderator for Dr. Greger, who's one of the people there. I've been working on the back end for him for seven years now, moderating his questionnaires. Um, the long and short of it is, it makes a difference. You are what you eat to a very great extent, and most mm -hmm. of us don't take that seriously. That's not working. That's one piece. But think about this, and we'll go off in the weeds and then I'm going to stop. What are you lying on six to eight hours a day? Your bed. Well, does it have mildicide? Is it uh, fireproof with PFOAs, which is a group of the forever chemicals? Are you using a memory foam pillow, which outgasses all sorts of VOCs, including formaldehyde? Oh, we can go way off into the week, but people do that every day. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and you ask yourself, well, why do you think, I mean, think about a bearing. You're rolling around, rolling around. Do you lubricate it? Well, if you mm -hmm. fail to lubricate it, it's not going to work over the long haul if you're trying to keep going for 90 or 100 years. Doesn't like work a skateboard, right? Like the bearing on a skateboard. That yeah. I, I yeah. ride a skateboard sometimes. <laughs> okay, there you go. You got to clean the darn thing. You've got to do some uptake. Okay. So I don't clean that's it. That's not what's happening. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily happen. Well, why would you expect good results?
Yeah. Um, I guess advice into like fixing that for, for listeners just who think like maybe they could improve their health, right? Like, I guess it's just staying organic and moving healthy and like, Well, that's one part of it. I mean, there's a lot more to the, I mean, remember we talked about it's environments. an emotional, it's a physical, and you know, obviously you have to have a mental aspect as well. So it's attitude. It's Mm hmm how are you dealing with the exposures that you're getting? And for what, one of the things that we're doing, actually, I'm involved in a computer science project um, at Oregon State University that we are looking deeply into how do we evaluate your home? We've actually got a program where you can take your phone, take a photo of your bedroom, Mm-hmm. and we will identify areas of concern. Mm. Oh, there's some really cool stuff happening. So again, one of the key reasons I focused on your bed, because you spent eight to nine hours on a darn thing. Well, Right. if you're sitting there inhaling a list of carcinogens and <laughs> mm or -hmm. endocrine disruptors, why would you expect things to work well? especially when you do it every day. Your body doesn't have that capability to detox and effectively deal with that uh, assault on a daily basis. It can do it periodically. We're built that way, but not every day. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people spend more time, at least in their bedrooms, right, with work from home, and I mean, you know, hybrid work even too, right? Like, do you think that that has effects on people's Oh, health, of course it has a factor. right? What did you do in your home? What's the paint you use? Is it outgassing? What's your furnishings? Uh, what's the rug? I mean, we can go off and again in the weeds and this is not a cool circumstance. Just an FYI for listeners, if you want to check your environment, go to pureliving.com, do an air test. It's under $200. Do an air test. It's accurate. It will tell you mold issues. It'll tell you which types of airborne contaminants are present and it will give you the quantitative and it really does give you the bottom line. So again, pureliving.com under their air and water testing. What they do is you have a little air pump and it sucks through a absorptive media for a number of hours and it tells you what's in your environment. And it is mind numbing how much crap we put into our own environment. Um, think of the lotions, potions and other stuff that you have from deodorants to um, Oh, okay. <laughs> Soaps literally and... Pretends everything under the sun. You add all those up, and then all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, are they all fragrance free? Are they, and we can go again off in the weeds, and you realize, geez, maybe it's not so simple. It isn't. I'll give you one more, and then we're going to get off the subject. Sure, What sure. if you use shoe polish? Do you realize that over 90% of all shoe polish is made using a petroleum distillate? Naphthalene is the main component of most shoe polishes in the U.S. Would you really want to put that in your closet, in your bedroom, and smell gasoline fumes all day long or all night long? Oh, that is right, yeah. So, moving on. Let's <laughs> get back to business. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um I was I was going to ask you about mental health, but maybe we'll skip it and do another day, right? <laughs> um I think yeah, when it comes to the being an LP, like do you think that um well, well there's a famous story, right, about Warren Buffett. He raised his initial money for Berkshire at least from doctors right I think he read like knocked on 10 doctors doors maybe similar to you and and asked them for 100 grand um of course this was in the 50s I, I'm thinking um but I guess like as anyone who approaches raising a fund right like uh whether you want to use the investor match portal that you guys have or I don't know just call numbers on a on a yellow 
not a yellow pages, but um, you know, I've I've talked to a couple of people, um, such as like the partner at Mendoza Ventures. I had her on the podcast, and she was saying she would email or LinkedIn message people who she believed had high net worths. And mm-hmm. um, I guess like as you you know you you know a lot of the side of the other side of the table where it's somebody pitching you an idea to be a funder in their, I guess, money making opportunities. Do you think that um, for you um, you have seen. I guess like people do that. Yeah, how, how have you seen people do that? Is it just, you know, they go to high, like what, what, how have you seen that well, in industry? You could do it two ways. You can go to the investor match.ai platform <laughs> because it's global in scope and will hook you with the right people. Or you're right. You can cold call or you can spend a lot of time networking. That's another way to really make that happen from a founder's perspective, from a funder's perspective, you pretty much have been hobnobbing and hanging with high net worth individuals for quite some period of time. Nah. You already have, and I don't want to call it a Rolodex, but you've got your digital gig going where you've got your spreadsheet. You know who you're going to start calling. And it's about introductions to introductions to introductions. So that's really how a lot of this works is people. And there are also organizations that are very specific to high net worth individuals. And you want to hobnob in those places. And there's quite a few of those. Is that like a country club or would that be just uh, something? No, I, I, it's country club-ish. Sure. Country <laughs> club. No, no, no. They're national and international organizations for high net worth individuals hmm. who want to have a conversation with someone in like mind. Um, and no, it's not necessarily that you would do solicitation in those circumstances, but you would definitely over time increase your network and that's one way that people raise funds. Other funds are funds of funds. So what they're doing is they're amalgamating right. from other groups and then pooling funding for certain uh, opportunities. So there's a lot of ways to actually do that. Um, but it does take some legwork and doing cold calling, especially for uh, accredited investors is a really bad idea because you'll generally, I mean, it's a, it's not a small, I don't know if you knew this, there's 23 million in the U.S., 23 accredited. million people who are at the level of accredited investors. That's not a few folks. You're right. <laughs> I mean, 23 million? Come on. Uh, I think we can agree that's a lot of people. So it's not as though this is a subset that's really, really minuscule. And a lot of people within their own organization will talk. Um, a good example of where people could get a good learning experience is what's called the ACA. It's probably the largest in the world. Angel Capital Association. Yes. Yeah. Angel Capital Association. Great folks. Good, good stuff. If you want to learn about investing, I highly recommend it. There are some free courses. There are others that are costly, but well worth the money because these are folks who've been around the block for a very long period of time and know their stuff. Do, do you have any regrets, Alan, when it came to, you know, private fund? I mean, yeah, you're putting your own worth into a lot of these ideas. And obviously that's a touchy subject, but like, um, yeah, when it comes to maybe, you know, risking like, or in- investing a hundred K plus into something, that's an emotional decision for anyone. I would like to assume. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It hurts. So you go through it. Well, I mean, that's the other piece of this puzzle. If you don't have, uh, I don't, I was going to say brass ball. A stomach for business, right? Like a stomach for. If you're not willing to recognize that you're not going to make a good investment every time, you're just not. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how it sounded. You're going to do stupid stuff and it's just going to hurt. 
And you're right. You blow a hundred and you go, ouch, ouch. Ooh, that's not fun. Um, yeah, it happens. It does. So this is not for a faint of heart. If you're not willing to recognize that you're at a higher risk ratio, Yeah. don't do this. And I, you and I had an earlier conversation regarding your uh, poster behind us. All right. If you don't have that type of emotional stability where you're going to go, I know that I'm going to make some really dumbass mistakes. It's just the way it works. Then don't do this at all. Then stick your money into CDs, money market funds. Yeah. Uh, maybe do a REIT, something like that, and walk away happier with a lower return. That's okay. That's okay. I mean, you got to know what works for you. Because if you can't sleep at night, then you shouldn't be doing this. Don't do it. What well, what do you think, Alan? Gave you the comfort? I mean, these are just. Well, I'm not always comfortable. Oh, there are times I'm, I kick myself in the head, going, "You dumb bunny! Why didn't you see that?" Oh no, no. But I also recognize that you know, it's learning, you right? Put, like you don't put all your eggs in one basket. Obviously, there's diversification, and you think to yourself, "Look." Sometimes I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna fail. I'm gonna mm -hmm. put my money where I shouldn't have, and that's the way it works. And other times you go, "Whoa, that was pretty darn good," and it makes up for the difference. So, as a VC in your first starting group, you generally do about ten to twelve investments. You know, statistically, two to three of them are gonna hit it out of the park if mm -hmm. you do really good picking. Yeah. That's gonna pay. That's gonna make everything come back. You want to return then the funds. You got the middle crunch, which they're going to do okay. Some of them better than others, but they're going to do okay. And then the bottom three to five, they're going to cra crash and burn and you're never going to see a dime. That's the model. That's how VC models work. And it's all about pick the best picks and helping them as much as possible. But you don't know about timing. You know, what happens if there's another pandemic? Oops. A business <laughs> like a restaurant. Have a nice day. It wasn't about they didn't have a great restaurant. It's about the timing and you can't foresee that. And then there's all the other parameters and uh, possibilities that can come to bear that you can't control. You know, I was stuck in the house here for six days because of the ice storm. Okay. Yeah, right. It just works that way. You put up with it, you roll with it. You, you know, it's, we're back on track. It's okay. But you just have to have that type of, all right, it's going to be okay. And know that it's going to be okay. So you never invest more than you can afford to lose, is the that's classic a, statement. That's that's a very true. I do recall uh, working for the VC fund BU Venture Partners that I told you about, and uh, yeah, one of those deals. It was really cool in theory. I, I was against it a little bit, but yeah, they were doing. Um, their name was Credit Stacks, or they changed it to Jasper. And long story short, yeah, they um, were giving expats a credit card uh, to, for people who were coming to new to the country and yeah, pandemic remote work it just sank the ship, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just learning. Right. And I think, I think the value is of being at least in the, uh, throwing your name in the hat to, to win the, it's a little bit like gambling, right. But like, you know, throwing your name in the hat, mm -hmm. just getting a swing rather than, you know, getting at bats, more at bats, right. Like Scott Kapoor and Sand Hill road, uh, in his book, he just talks about like, you know, get as many as bats as you can. It's really a numbers game. Um, and yeah, if you, in baseball, if you don't get a hit or a walk or, a, you know, nothing, then yeah, don't get anything. <laughs> You're out, you get out. Um, but uh, I think there is something in psychology too, right? Like where humans, um, they they have this thing with when it comes to money where it's like, at least I've seen it's 
it's if they're comfortable if they've made it for a strong amount of time then they they lose their um i guess their their what's that word their um is it is it they gain they gain a bigger risk tolerance they have a higher risk tolerance as they make more money but some I guess, people do you know, no i wouldn't say that I, I think it's everyone's really individual i mean right. i know people have more money than god and they'll never be able to spend it in their lifetime and honestly they live very frugally right because there's there's a great book that i think everybody should read uh the millionaire next door look mm. i don't drive a tesla I have no interest. <laughs> I, it's a cool car. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a very cool car, but it's not me. I don't really care. It, sure. I have other friends that if they're not in their Tesla and they don't have their uh, Tesla jacket on, they feel naked. It's not. Yeah. Cool. All right. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's just different folks, different ways to right. go about it. And everybody's got a different approach to this. So I think risk issues it's probably easier when you hit larger numbers to go, you know, even if, if I blew half of it, so what? Uh, it's irrelevant. I mean, come on. There's a, how much money do you really need to live to some extent? Most people I know aren't buying mega yachts. I don't know those people. Um, <laughs> I have no interest in a mega yacht. Why would I want a mega yacht? What do I do with that? It's All just right. stuff. And I think the other thing is if you get older, for me at least, it's been, I don't need more stuff. Yeah, I got plenty of stuff. I need more stuff. It just encumbers. It's an encumbrance that I don't want. It doesn't matter what it costs, and you get happier with less potentially, and it still works. No, I like I like that. I, I do know that uh, it's easy to stereotype or just generalize generalize a lot of folks and the like high net worth individual folks or. I guess um you could call it rich people like call it what it is right just rich people um and there's there's always a narrative like on TV like this is what they live like but yeah it's it's so much individual choice that you can't really do that you know most most people I know who you would not know you would not know they drive maybe a Lexus okay they'll they'll drive that or an Acura or something but you know what it's uh -huh. not about what you show it's how you feel very good very we're good. comfortable with your lifestyle. I mean, I put a lot of money out for food. We buy exclusively organic. It costs an arm and a leg. I'm not going to tell you it's cheap. It's not. But on the other hand, do I see it as both insurance and it's a value to me because not only does it taste good, but I really feel comfortable about, I'm also making an impactful, um, I'm going to call it my vote for the planet because it does make a difference. And that feels pretty good. I'm willing to spend my money there. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. But that's just, again, me. Everyone's got their own methodology and figures out what they're comfortable with. I, we have beds that are the natural foam. Their mm -hmm. fireproofing agent is wool. And it totally meets all criteria of fireproofing. <laughs> and there's been, these have been available for 20-something years, 30 years. So it's not new news. But I think that's another good investment. Rather than spending it on a classic at the bed store that... When you read the label and you start, oh, wait a second. What's the rest of the story? What do you mean it's got some, as an example, fiberglass in it? Oh, well, that's a long irritant. You've got your face on this? Wait a second. Mm -hmm. So you, it, it's a balancing act. That's literally the, which way did he go and what are you comfortable with? Yeah, yeah. I was reading into like the ingredients of, oh, now I do, at least in terms of just food labels and um, 
even you go to a Safeway, right? Or like a, is it Fred Myers in Oregon, right? Yes. You, you yes. go there. It's all owned by no, Kroger anyway. No, we, we, we don't do much. Well, we do a little, not much Freddy's. No, uh, there's Market of Choice. There's also um, uh, Whole Foods, I guess. Natural, natural Grocers is the other one. We have two um, of the co-ops and um, those are probably by far where we shop the most. By far. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was reading into like that and like a lot of those ingredients into um, a lot of things that we eat, like there's mo multiple ingredients that you wouldn't assume that are in there for instance, like, yeah, like a McDonald's pickle has like 10 ingredients and then like, you know, isn't, isn't that, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, food, I, I'm aware of it from like, I'm a young, right? But like, I mean, I try to educate myself. Like, do you think that um, if you were back in your 20s, you would just stick to what you're doing right now, right? With the organic and just... I started when I was 16. I went vegetarian. And I had Really? no... Yeah. yeah. It was actually on a dare. It's a funny story. <laughs> <On a dare. laughs> we, we, yeah, it was. We can go off on a totally different subject since our time is just about... Right, right, I'd right. like to kind of refocus on go. the business end. Sure. Um, for anyone who's listening, if you're a founder, it is absolutely free. Please go to investormatch.ai. Uh, we'd be happy to help. We're there to be of service. If you're a funder and or you're a vendor offering some services or products for anyone in this field, mm -hmm. please contact us. Okay. We'd be happy to have a conversation. If you're a VC firm or uh, some other PE, we have a white label solution that can solve your front end. There is no reason to waste people's time and get no's but let's go to yeses. Let's get to yeses. And we can white, have a white label solution that literally will make all the difference. We figured out if we did it for Y Combinator, it came to less than 20 cents per each intake to fix the problem. I think that's really reasonable. But that's just my belief system. But I think it's very realistic. So if you need some solutions, InvestorMatch.ai has them available for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I've, I've checked it out. It's uh, pretty simple, straightforward. And uh, it's actually, it gets to know you more than you, you You do have to spend some time, like, you know, multiple minutes, like not just uh, do it in one setting. You really well, gotta... Maybe we should do a deep dive into the uh, ecology slash what would you do, especially for yeah. your age bracket? What would that look like to go, if you gave me this info, how do I translate this to actionable, realistic things that I can make a difference in my life and probably be healthier for the rest of your life. I'm happy to have that conversation with you. The, about, uh, can you repeat, but like with food, in terms of food or in terms of... No, it would be food, it would be environment. We can go off in the weeds and uh, we should probably talk about the book on fertility because you're in that age bracket and... Uh, 28. <laughs> there you go, yep. Um, do you have any health worries, Alan? I mean, I think for me, like I just worry about like getting... Well, I don't know. I don't think I have too many worries, but I think in my head, like I'll worry about getting worried about something, right? Or just doing, not dotting my I's and crossing my T's. Like, I guess like you as a physician, right? Like, do you, do you, yeah, you've seen, you've seen a lot. Like, do you think that, you know, the, the preventative stuff really does make a difference or is it just, you know, genetics and we're all. I'm going to challenge tossed. you. Go out and look at some friends of yours in your age bracket who smoke cigarettes. And, and marijuana or whatever. <laughs> marijuana is a big one. <laughs> okay. Um, take a look at their mental capacity, where they're going in life, and take a look at their skin quality. Mm -hmm. Take a look at people who have done that to their body. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to go, 
this didn't work. <laughs> you really trashed yourself. Uh, this is not what I want to experience when I'm 40 to 50 years old or 60. Why do you want to do that? So no, I think there's no question. And you saw that study, obviously, the you are what you eat, um, clear as a bell. And they did it, mind you, with decent food for both parties. Right. Even the vegan group, the other group had good food, relatively speaking. It wasn't garbage. Now, if you again you throw water in your gas tank, what do you what do you think is going to happen? Right, you're work. right. So, on that note, <laughs> yeah, you, you got to <laughs> take care of your body, take care of your finances, take care of your health, and if we can be of service at InvestorMatch.ai, happy to be there and help. Thank you, Alan. Two more two more questions. We I know we're coming to the top of the hour. One, one thing we do ask people is, um, yeah, if you had to say like there was a book that or some piece of information that you think that impacted your life do you think you mind sharing that i'm trying to oh boy i read voraciously um i'm looking at my bookshelf here and oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a ton of I, books i like this book my... right. this was a good one ah there's a book that everybody should read if you're playing the vc game and you want to really get an idea it's called venture deals oh brad um, feld yeah right yeah, absolutely. That is a good book to read when you're talking about some of the aspects of how do you interpret some of the contractual concerns? That's a good book. Um, boy, I'm just looking at so many, but the other one, maybe a health one, right? Like maybe a MD uh, diet for, um, oh, what is the name of uh, Francis LePay's book? Uh, diet for, here we go. I was just telling somebody to read this just yesterday. Diet for a small planet. Um, definitely worth a read. I know it was done in the 70s, but then there's the 20th anniversary, which uh, would probably bring it to the 90s. Um, everybody should read this and go, we've been had commercial. And again, this could be another conversation. And I would bring to bear, there's about three magazines I get in the commercial field <laughs> industry for food. And we could totally go off in the weeds. Don't be had. Real food is real food. Processed food is not real food, plain and simple. And on that note, I've got yeah. another meat that I've got to be to. InvestorMatch.ai, <laughs> pleasure speaking with you, Dan. Thank you, Thank you Alan. I'll, Have I'll a good day. That does it for the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, make sure you guys are uh, following us on Instagram and uh, LinkedIn and our newsletter. Um, we got a really cool book coming out with Penguin Southeast Asia called Sarah Mindsets, as you guys have uh, probably guessed. And that book should be coming out by mid middle of the year. Um, it would be, you know, a little special if you guys could help us out and, uh, you know, make a purchase when it does become available. But, um, yeah, tell us how you guys have uh, found value listening to the podcast or, you know, how have you thought about entrepreneurship or what are your thoughts on entrepreneurship is it uh, something that the normal person should go for? Or is it like, you know, kind of reserved for uh, <laughs> you know, the riskier tolerance folks? Um, but yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. Um, you know, on Spotify, just uh, send us a message on, uh, on uh, the question. Um, and uh, yeah, let us know how we can help you. I mean, we, we probably got something up our sleeves that, that can help you uh, in life or business. 
whether you just want to have a phone call, I mean, yeah, or you just want to, uh, you know, say what's up. Peace.